Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. This series is going to be so much fun because this series is all about loving the people who just suck the life out of you. Anybody here got anybody like that in your life? Please do not look at the person you're sitting beside. Now, just to give you an idea, as we get into this Wednesday night series, what we're going to be looking at, to see if maybe you'd like to come to this series, we're going to be looking at how do we biblically deal with, how do we biblically love controlling people, critical people, ultra-needy people, narcissistic people, aggressive people, cutting or sarcastic people. Anybody starting to feel like, I kind of need to be at that series on Wednesday night? I got a couple of those that I need to... And you know what's crazy about it, guys, is when you come to dealing with difficult people or, or these relational vampires, these relational octopi that just suck the life out of you, so many of us deal in guilt. Because have you ever had anybody look at the way you act and you're really not doing anything wrong, but they look at you and go, well, that's not very Christian. You know, God never has let me slap anybody, but I've wanted to. Because when somebody who doesn't know Christian from a hole in the ground just said, well, that's not very Christian. I'm like, you know what? Maybe we ought to look at the Bible. Maybe we ought to look at what the Bible says about how to deal in relationships before we start passing judgment on what we say is and isn't Christian. Because a lot of times when people say that's not very Christian, what they're saying is, is that's not very codependent or that's not very polite or that's not very giving somebody everything they have the gall to ask for. And so we see this is going to be a very straightforward message. Aren't you glad you came? This is a really straightforward message. So before we jump into dealing with all these kinds of people, controlling, aggressive, needy, narcissistic, all these different kinds of people, today's message, and the reason we're doing it on a Sunday, today's message is about getting a handle on the absolute worst. The absolute worst person that you ever have to deal with. So today, we're going to just start at the top and just knock it in the head. So I just want you to know, the person that you have the most trouble with is the one that lies to you the most often. The one that makes promises and don't keep them. The one that keeps saying stupid stuff and puts you in an uncomfortable situation. Now, you might not know it, but we have a picture, a framed picture of this person in your life in every one of our restrooms. If you'll go in the restroom, look right above the sink. There's a framed picture right there of the person that causes you the most trouble. Because the truth of it is, how many of y'all understand? The person we have the most trouble with is us. Person we have the most trouble with. Now, I'm going to just tell y'all right here at the beginning of this message. This is a message about loving people well. Hear me say that. Because we're going to be dealing with some very straightforward passages in the Bible. And I don't want anybody to misunderstand and think, gosh, you're being harsh. Not being harsh. Not being harsh at all. I'm saying this is how you love people well. To give you a preview, this Wednesday, we will be looking exactly into the ways Jesus treated people. And Jesus always loved people. Amen? But he wasn't always southern polite. 
Anybody know what Southern polite is? I was raised in Alabama. I know what it is to have a lady come and hug your neck and kiss the air right beside your face. You know these people? And then talk bad about you. I mean talk about you like a dog. Jesus was not always Southern polite, but he was always loving. And this message is about loving people well. But to love people well, you're going to have to get a handle on you. Let's look at the scripture. Let's look at what the Bible says. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Now, this is one of the most straightforward passages in Scripture, and I love it. We're going to look at two things out of it that are not difficult to understand, but boy, they just hit me square between the eyes. First is, look at that second phrase. So far as it begins with you. far as it depends on you. Is anybody here old enough to realize you can't fix nobody else? You can't control anybody else. And to attempt is wicked. To attempt to control another person, their behaviors, their, mo their motives, their actions, to attempt to control another person is evil. Now, let me tell you what the Bible calls the attempt to control another person. Then we'll look at what we call it in 2023. The Bible calls the attempt to control people witchcraft. Witchcraft. Think it through, guys. I know. I just love Harry Potter. And I just watch that. And, and, and Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> what is the point of witchcraft? It's you do an incantation. You build a potion. You flick your wand and you control. You make things happen you can immobilize a person you can make them fall down you can make them say something you can it's witchcraft guys it's witchcraft plain and simple in 2023 we have a nicer word for it it's called manipulation and you may not pull out your potion making kit or your wand but you may if you don't do what I ask you to do, if you don't do what I imply that is really told for you to do, I'm going to withhold my love. Or I'm going to treat you coldly. I'm going to treat you badly. I'm going to talk about you to where I'm going to make things such that you will comply with my will. It's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. It's manipulation. And the Bible says you'll never be successful at it. You will never be successful at making somebody else do. So you know what? There's one person in this mix that you can get a handle on, and it's you. As far as it depends on you. And at the end of all things, when you stand at the judgment, who is God going to ask you about? You. Nobody else. You know what the battle cry of dysfunction in 2023 is? Well, see, Pastor, I'm this way because my mama did this, or I had this happen in my past, or this happened to me, or I... I'm sorry, did somebody this morning trick you into singing a scriptural song that said, who the sun sets free is free indeed? Anybody here free? Oh, we'll pray, we'll just stand and testify. I'm free, I'm free. Well, how about this? Maybe you free from some bad decisions your parents made.
Maybe you're free from some hurtful thing that happened to you in your past that the devil's got you convinced has you painted into a relational corner. And I can't be open. I can't be honest. I can't be loving. I can't be giving because this thing happened to me. Who the sun sets free is free. Any corner the devil's tried to paint you into, you are not painted in. Because, and guys, hear me say this. I, I love y'all. I love you with my whole heart. That's why I'm being straight as a board with you today. I love you. But everybody, I don't care who your mom and dad were. I don't care how great your relationships have been. Everybody has a I wish it had been done differently for me story. Everybody. Everybody has something that hurt, that invited them to shut down. Y'all know what it is to be invited to shut down? Emotionally, this happened. And all of a sudden, guys, I'm a child of divorce. Do you know what I have to fight more times than not? I have a switch that I learned where it was at seven years old. But when my dad walked out, I learned where my switch was of, you're not going to hurt me, watch right here. Click, I don't care. I can detach from people like that. Because I learned. I learned when that guy that was so important to me, and I felt like it was my fault that my parents got a divorce, because almost all children of divorce feel like it's their fault. When I learned that, I learned the only place for me to be safe is to be in a place where you can't hurt me. And the only place that you can't hurt me is if I don't care. If I care, you can hurt me. So I have had to my whole life fight turning people off. Just click. I don't care. I'm fine. I can go on without you. Guys, I have been set free from that attitude. I have been, God has delivered me from that attitude. But the truth of it is, the only person I can affect is me. As far as it depends on you. So hear me say it. Boundaries begin with me. Your boundaries begin with you. I can't blame my lack of discipline on your bad influence. I told y'all, pull up your big boy pants. This is a straightforward message. I, I can't blame my lack of discipline on, well, they drug me into this sin because you know what at the end of all things God's going to ask me Joseph why'd you go there well it was my friends it was my it was my um, you did it you went you as it turns out guys the only person I can affect is the only one God is expecting me to affect me and is there anybody here that's a Holy Spirit person? Oh, I believe in the Spirit of God. I believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I, I believe in tongues and we worship. And I, I'm, not, I'm a Holy Spirit person. Do you understand the only gift, the fruit, fruit of the Holy Spirit that is reflexive, that is a thing you do to yourself, is self-control. All the other fruit of the Spirit, love. Well, I love you. I love you. Kindness. I'm kind to you. Goodness, gentleness, the only reflexive one that comes back on me is me getting a handle on me or self-control. Far and away the least popular of the fruits of the Spirit, right? <laughs> 
I mean, I love all of them but that one. You understand what I'm telling you this morning? Guys, even with Jesus, Jesus laid his life down to accomplish our salvation. But hear me say this clearly. Jesus did not give everybody everything they asked out of him. The Bible says, anybody here ever read the story of the crucifixion and the trial and the, the torture and all that? Anybody know what happened when Pontius Pilate sent Jesus to see Herod? Herod, King Herod, who had been wanting to see Jesus because he wanted to see a miracle. The Bible says Herod was excited, finally get to meet Jesus. And do you know what Jesus did? Didn't even speak to him. Wouldn't talk to him. Certainly didn't do any miracles. Didn't try to save him. Boy, it gets quiet in the house when you talk about the Word of God. Jesus did. Do you know where Jesus set his boundaries? At God's expectations, not people's. See, you set your boundaries at God's expectation out of you, not people. Jesus loved people and gave himself for people. But his boundaries were set at God's expectations, not their expectations. This is, um, oh, this is some good preaching. I mean, it's not amenable preaching, but it's good preaching. We've got to learn, guys. The way we love people well is first get a handle on us. Then, let's go on ahead. Go back to that scripture, because there's two things I want to pull out of this. As far as it depends on you, yeah, it, you can only do what you can do. You. But you know what I love? I love the fact that the Bible is a real book given to real people who live in a real world. Somebody that can read English, read the first two words of that scripture. Are you telling me that the Bible is implying that with some people it ain't possible? <laughs> if possible... How many of y'all understand, forgiveness takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. Restored relationship takes two. And hear me say this, guys. Love you with my whole heart. That's why I'm giving you truthful expectations of how relationships go sometimes. Some people, it ain't possible. You ever met anybody that will not give an inch? You ever met anybody, no matter what you do, they just got in their head, they're going to be mad at you? As far as it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, but guys, some people, you know what? You're going to have to be led by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to have to look at it and go, I've done what the Lord's asked me to do, and I'm going to leave that now. I'm going to let that be, and I'm going to... Because some people, it's not possible. Oh. Gosh, I wish he wouldn't preach this message. Any of y'all hate this message already? Join me. I hate it. So, let's get into it. Carry your own or carry each other's? Carry one another's or carry your own? Let's look at a place in Scripture that really just is a puzzle. It's a, it's a conundrum. It's an enigma. Look at what the Bible says in Galatians 6. Bear one another's burdens. That's the Christian thing to do, isn't it? Bear one another. Pick up one another's burdens. And thus, thereby, fulfill the law of Christ. Because if anybody thinks he's something when he ain't nothing, he deceives himself. There's a whole message by itself, but I won't preach that one this morning. But going on, each one must examine 
his own work. You can only deal with you. And then, yeah, you might have reason to boast. You might have reason to be proud, but to himself alone. If you want to say, I did a good job, great. Say it just to yourself and to everybody else, hush. If you did a good job, the Bible says in Proverbs, let another praise you. You don't have to tell me how great you are. Boy, this is some good preaching. If you have reason for boasting, only do it to yourself alone and not to another. And now look at the last line. Each one must bear his own load. When I hold up, Pastor, look at the first line. Bear one another's burdens. Second line, each one must bear his own load. Which one is it? Both. How am I supposed to know? Well, thank God, the Bible was written in Greek. Because you can say more in Greek in one word than you can say in English in about 25 words. So let's look and see. Because if we were reading this in Greek, the word burden is not the word load. Bear one another's burdens. What are we supposed to help each other pick up? The word here in Greek is baros. Say baros. Yeah, y'all can say Greek. Try it again. Baros. A baros is a crushing weight. That's the reason we have boulders on the stage. Some of y'all going. Now, these, the front one is about 380. The back one is about 450. It took several Melgarejos, a Luke, and a Sparky to get these in here. They brought them in Wednesday night. And all I asked Koi for, Koi who provided the Baros, I asked Koi, I said, I need something one person can't pick up and carry around. And he said, I got it. How are you going to get it in there? I said, I got Melgarejos. So I asked the guys that brought these in, could you pick this up by yourself? And of course, being manly men, they showed me, oh, yes, I believe I could. I can get that, Pastor. I, if, I could, if I can get a grip on it. But the truth of it is, even though they could, a couple of the guys could, get it to clear the floor about that far by themselves, they couldn't walk around with it. Because the Bible says when it's a baros, you can't walk around with it by yourself. You just cannot. And how many of y'all know, if you live long enough in this life, there are going to be some things that are a crushing weight that when it comes on you, you need somebody else to help you. I know where my mom is. My mom's in heaven with Jesus. But at the moment of her death, I needed people. I needed people to walk through that with me. Love my mama. Miss my mama. Know that I'll see my mama again. And I have no doubt my mother is happy and healed and whole and in heaven. No problem with that. But at the moment she went home, she wasn't here anymore. And I went under a boulder. A boulder that, thank God, there were people in my life who loved Jesus and loved me. And even though they couldn't do anything, you know what I'm talking about? You know what they could do? They could put their shoulder under that boulder and get under it with me and didn't expect me to... To, to bear that by myself. Yeah, it was mine to carry. It didn't affect anybody in this world like it affected me and my brother. It was ours. But thank God we had some people 
who got in it with us. A baros. Bear one another's baros. They're crushing weight. Help each other with your boulders. But each one must bear his own fortion. Say fortion. Fortion. It's a totally different word. A fortion is a personal, non-transferable. I thought that was the most interesting trait about a fortion. You couldn't hand it off. Cargo. It's a burden. It's a load. It's a... It's something to pick up and carry, but it's personal. It's non-transferable. It's a backpack. It's a fortion. See, well, Pastor, why in the world would God give me anything to carry? Because you need the weight that balances you out that will help you develop. When you pick up your own fortion and you learn to carry it, you keep it on and you don't try to hand it to somebody else. This is my Africa fortion, by the way. I put enough clothes in here for three days. I mean, I roll them up because at my size, I don't go anywhere internationally where I can't get in clothes if the, if the airline loses it. I'm just telling you. So this is my backpack. But it's mine. It's personal, and it's mine to carry. Have you ever known anybody who, from the time they were young, did competitive swimming? Do you understand? I read an article one time. I thought it was a really interesting article. They were talking about kids getting into swimming early and swimming as a discipline. And they said the act of working at swimming day in, day out, day in, day out, changes as a child is growing, it changes their very physiology. Their musculature develops differently. Their bones develop differently because of the way the muscles are pulling on the bones. And you know what? People that swim, 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 they grow up and they have that swimmer build. God is trying to develop you by giving you the weight that balances you out. But guys, personal non-transferable, not a boulder, a fortion. That's mine. Now, what does this mean to us? Well, I can tell you as your pastor, all day long, you should have a prayer life. I could tell you, I could show you in Scripture where it's important. I could tell you, oh, it's a great thing if you had a praying mama or a praying grandma. Or maybe you're a guy and your wife has, is a real prayer warrior. But I'm telling you, Nobody can be a prayer warrior for you. you got to have it on your prayer life. It's your own fortion. When I was young in ministry, I was just like, God, I so want to be in the ministry full time. I so want a full time position. I so want to be a place where they pay me to do this job and I don't have to do everything else. You know what God gave me? A job teaching school. Tenth grade remedial math. It was my fortion at the time. I didn't want that job. Lord, trying to teach math to people who didn't want to learn math, who'd already failed it once. That was my, that was my whole day. My church job didn't start until 4.30 when I got out. And hear me say this. If dealing with the kids was one thing, dealing with the parents was something else. Any teachers in the house? 
Dear Lord. But you know what? I had to carry it. For years I carried that as I was in the ministry. But you know what it taught me? It taught me time management. I had no choice but to have time management because I had a full-time job and I had a church job and I had a marriage. I had a life and I had to learn it. It provided me with the money I needed. But it also threw me in with a set of people I would never have sought out. South Mississippi. I'm dealing with 10th graders who were struggling to get out of high school and had already failed math once. That They were not going to college. And here I was all day long dealing with 35, 40 kids per class, five classes a day and one free period. That was not free. I was, I was over a study hall. Guys, I learned so much about myself, about these kids, about their parents, about the job, about church work. You know what else I learned? I tell you what, you deal with a Sunday night service differently when you're like everybody else in the congregation and you've got to be at work Monday morning. Anybody ever been to that church service where the pastor didn't have to get up and it was obvious and he's just going on and on and y'all are like, i got to go to work in the morning, brother. Can you wrap it up? Amen. We're just, hallelujah, I'm just saying. The entirety of our ministry life, Rebecca and I both have felt like it was important that she have a secular job because we had to be connected to the way everybody lives. And it just makes a difference. I'm telling you, and I'm talking about everything from how much camp costs to how late you keep people out to how many nights a week you ask people to do stuff because people have real lives. My Fortean taught me that. That didn't come out to... The, the principles are in the Bible. But having to carry the backpack taught me that. It's my backpack. Mine to carry, not yours. Now, let's deal with boulders first. Beware of shame or pride. Shame or pride. Is there anybody here that is ashamed of the fact that you can't pick one of these up by yourself? No, because that's stupid. Nobody would be expected to pick one of these up by themselves. And if somebody said, oh, you're just a little Nancy boy, you can't pick up one of those. That's stupid. Guys, hear me say this. I've dealt with people in church my whole life, people who have shame over the fact that they cannot carry the boulders that have come into their lives. And it's as stupid as that is. That's why we got boulders on the platform. If you are dealing with a boulder, there is no shame in saying, I need some help. I need some some people around me. I need some... Guys, I lived in Alabama when Hurricane Katrina came through, and we sent teams out to deal with people who had hurricane damage, terrible hurricane damage. And you know what? You'd come up on some people who were just like, well, well, I appreciate y'all coming, but you need to go help my neighbor because we're okay. We're okay. We don't, we don't need any help. And I'm like, dude, get over it. You've just been wiped out by a hurricane. Let us help you. And so many people in church, guys, feel this shame of, well, I shouldn't need help. That's ridiculous. When a baros comes, you need help. You need help. And don't be, don't be ashamed to take it. The other thing is, especially to the men in the room, oh my gosh, please get over your pride. 
Do you know what every man I've ever dealt with, including Joseph, says when a Bauros comes? I can handle it. I got this. I was walking through barrenness, and my heart was every bit as broken as my wife's. But I had a hard, crusty outside, and I wasn't going to let anybody see how hard it was for me. I cried, but it was at 3 in the morning by myself, in the dark, in our living room with all the lights out, because I, I was not going to appear weak in front of people and look like I was, I, was, I was a man. I'm supposed to deal with this. Guys, on some level, it's pride. The whole attitude of, I got this. When you don't got it, we need to let people love us. We need to allow people to help us when we're dealing with a baros. So get over it. Deal with it. Look at what the scripture says about this. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in affliction. Why? So that we can turn around and comfort those who are in affliction with the same comfort we got from God. That's, God comforts us when we're under a baros so we can turn around and help somebody else. It's a good word, guys. It's a good word. And we need to get past, I'm ashamed for having to ask, and I got this, I'm good. No, go help somebody else. We had people at Katrina say, go help my neighbor. They need your help. And I'm going, dude, you need our help too. Let us. Now, moving on from this to something a little more fun. Problems in relationships arise when we start calling our backpack a boulder. And we get our feelings hurt because somebody won't pick this up and carry it. See, I try to hand it off because, oh, you just don't understand. My backpack's a boulder. My backpack's hard. And my backpack's harder than anybody else's. And I just, and I hand it off to somebody at church and they let it fall. And I get bitter because they let my backpack fall. And the truth of it is, God handed it to you. Several, several things here, guys. You're supposed to develop your own prayer life. Ain't nothing in the world wrong with asking people to pray for you. But you need to, you, you need to go on ahead and develop your own prayer life too. Your backpack will become bitterness if you try to hand it off to somebody because God has designed for you to carry it. And while we're on this subject, it was God that handed it to you. And at any moment, God could pay all your bills without you having to go to work. But he chooses not to. God could make ravens bring you money. But is there anybody here God does that for you? Or is there anybody here goes to work tomorrow? Anybody have any problem believing that God could quote unquote pay everything, take care of everything with you sitting on your rear end playing video games? Could he do it? Yes. Why doesn't he do it? Because it would absolutely hamstring you. It would debilitate you. It would harm you. And guys, I've been walking with Jesus long enough to know one thing. I ain't him. And I can't out Jesus Jesus. And if I'm meeting a need that he is choosing to let go, I'm getting in his way. 
Let me put it to you in terms you can easily understand. Because this, this is almost, I don't mean to be harsh. Let's say Amanda raising boys by herself. She gives one of her children chores to do. Tasks. She gives them an allowance. There's your money. But the allowance don't come if the grass ain't mowed or the chores aren't done. Anybody understand this system? Now, what if their pastor, who loves them so much, just decided to waltz himself up into her house and say, Hayden, you go sit down and rest. Get yourself some sweet tea and just say, I'm going to do all your chores. And here, watch right here. I'm a, you ain't got to worry about Amanda. I'm going to just give you the money. And if she loved you, she'd give you the money. But I'm going to just give you the money and I'm going to do your chores for you. Now, is anybody here think Amanda would thank me for that? Watch right here. If it was your child, would you tolerate that? Not a minute. Is Amanda trying to be hard on Hayden? No. She's trying to help that boy. She's trying to develop that boy. She's trying to teach that boy. And yet, when it comes to God and his kids, how many times do we try to out Jesus, Jesus, and get in God's way instead of being led by the Holy Spirit when we meet a need? Guys, you cannot be need or emotionally driven. You've got to be Holy Spirit driven. You've got to be Holy Spirit driven. Because you hurt a person when you take their backpack from them. What they should have been developing won't get developed. If you take their backpack. Let's go on and just. We in it now. So I'm going to go on ahead and finish. There are some of us. You got people in your life. That you're carrying. You don't need to be carrying. There are people in some lives. That are bringing storms. And you don't need to be carrying it. And before you think. Gosh pastor you're being hard or harsh. Has anybody in, the, anybody in this room ever read the book of Jonah? Let me tell it. And any of you that have read the story of Jonah, please tell me if I missed something. God speaks to Jonah. Go to Nineveh and preach. Am I right so far? Jonah says, I don't want to. And buys a ticket for a boat headed the opposite way. Am I telling it right? Jonah hands that ticket to an unsuspecting boat captain who has no idea what he's getting into. And the boat captain gets Jonah on them. They head out where they're supposed to be going. And it ain't that long before they are in a life-threatening storm. And all the men of the ship are down praying to their various gods. The Bible says they're various gods. So they ain't even all... Jehovah God people. They pray unto this God and that God. And, they, and Jonah's in the bottom of the boat asleep. Am I telling it right? Jonah's down there asleep. And they go down to Jonah and they shake that boy awake and say, Dude, get up. Pray to your God. We're about to die. And Jonah says, I ain't got to pray. I don't need to pray a lick. I know why the storm's here. The storm's here because of me. If I wasn't on this boat, there wouldn't be no storm. Don't you wish the people in your life that are messing your life up would be that honest? I so wish people that are in my life ain't got no business. I wish they'd just go and be honest. It's me. But Jonah says, I ain't got to pray a lick. 
It's my fault. In fact, you boys wouldn't be in a storm if it wasn't for me. And the guy's like, well, what are we supposed to do now? And Jonah says, you only got one choice. Look what the scripture says. Pick me up and hurl my rear end into the sea. And then, look at it. Then the sea will become calm for you. Because I know that it's on account of me that this storm has come on you. And so I tell you, there are some of you that are dealing with storms in your life and it's because somebody's on your boat ain't supposed to be on your boat. It was never led by God. It was never part of God's plan. And you are trying to tote them somewhere. God doesn't want them to go. And the storm ain't here for you. And the next verse says, they, here, I'll give it to you in New Joseph version. And the sailors said, bye Felicia. And <laughs> tossed his rear end into the water. And immediately, the Bible says immediately, the storm died down and it was easy for them. Now, hear me say this. This is not about covenant relationships in your life. You cannot chuck your spouse overboard. <laughs> this is not about your, your, your husband or wife. Covenant relationships, it's, not a diff it's a different thing. But guys, I'm, I'm just telling you. Trying to out Jesus Jesus and fix something that ain't yours to fix. People that you can't save. Do you understand there's nothing those sailors could have done for Jonah any better than to get him back into the will of God? And it was on Jonah's head. The sailors in the book of Jonah say, we don't want to throw you overboard. It'll kill you and we don't want your death on our conscience. And Jonah is, for all the things you can say about Jonah, Jonah is truthful. Jonah says, it's on my own head, guys. It's on me. And when the sailors who don't know God, when they throw him in, read the first chapter of Jonah, it's fascinating. When they throw him in, they pray to Jehovah God, Jonah's God, and they say, please don't hold this against us. He said it's on him and it's on him. So we're throwing him in, but we don't want to. And from that day onward, Jonah's God became those sailors' God. Do you get it? It's not an act of unkindness when you leave someone to the mercy of Jesus. It is not unkind. Now, hear me say, guys, as much as you need the Holy Spirit to get goosebumps and pray in the Spirit and have great worship services, you need the Holy Spirit more to learn what is for me to do and what is for me not to do. Where do I draw the line in my own self? Guys, Jesus on the cross reached out to one thief. But get it. He never addressed the other thief. Is Jesus ugly? Is Jesus not loving? Is Jesus not forgiving? Is Jesus not... Does Jesus say, well, that other one can just go to hell. I don't care. I'm going to save this one. No. He was led by 
the Spirit of God. He told us, all I ever do is what I see my father doing. So Jesus on the cross, think this through, guys. Y'all know the stories. But see what's there. Jesus reaches out to one guy, and the other guy only has bad things to say about Jesus and tells the other thief, you're a fool for believing in Jesus. And you know what Jesus does with the other thief? He ignores him. He leaves him to the mercy of God. Could the other thief have gotten saved? Yes! But it wasn't Jesus' job to convince him. I know this sounds like a hard, harsh word. It's not. Guys, at any moment, God could rescue somebody out of every one of their troubles. But we have got to have enough trust in God and enough leading of the Holy Spirit to rescue when God says rescue and let alone when God doesn't say rescue. And is there anybody in the room other than me that was begging God at some point in their life, please pick me up out of this, please rescue me, and he didn't. And I learned something I hadn't learned walking through what I thought was hell. What I thought was a terrible situation. I walked through it. And at, when I got to the end of it, I discovered God was in it all the time. But somebody could have short-circuited the work of God in my life by rescuing me out of it. You can't out Jesus, Jesus. And we get in God's way. Anybody here have more than one child? Anybody here have more than one child that can talk? Let's say that can talk. Have you ever had the phenomenon of one child correcting the other? One child parenting the other. Tell me, you, as, you that are parents, is your first job not to back that first child out? Before you can deal with the one that they're correcting, you have to say, uh, uh, now, get back in your lane, sweetheart. And yet we try to do this with God's children all the time. Oh, it's such a good message today. I hate it with my whole heart, but it's a good message. It really is. I'm telling y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm loving hating every bit of this message. I just love it. So get it, guys. The point of it is, we have got to be Holy Spirit-led and have eyes of the Spirit to be able to see. That's a boulder. We've got to get under that thing and help. And thus fulfill the law of Christ. That's what Galatians says. Bear one another's borrows. Bear one another's boulders. And thus fulfill the law of Christ. But at the end of that scripture is, everybody got to pick up their own fortion. Everybody got to bear their own backpack. So let me give you some little helpful scenarios as we land this plane. Just a few things that might help you. As, as we're, because believe me when I tell you, when you start drawing personal boundaries based upon what God is asking you to do, you, not everybody's going to be happy with you. <laughs> Anybody here ever had to set up a boundary? Anybody here ever had to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, it's not you, it's me, but this is me. It really is like my grandma taught me when I was young. Can't nobody walk on you if you don't lay down. I'm not saying you're a bad person for trying to walk on me. 
No, no, no. I'm not saying. I'm just telling you, I'm done laying down. That's all I'm saying. I'm not mad at you. I love you. I will help you any way I can. But look right here. If you're going to walk, you're going to walk beside me or around me, but you ain't walking on me because I'm done laying down. And people aren't going to be happy with you when you do this. But thank God, the person you're trying to, to fulfill their expectations is Jesus, not people. It's Jesus. So let me give you some helpful scenarios. First of all, Ephesians 4. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. You do not have to speak the truth in anger. You do not take out the double-edged sword that is the Word of God and just start slicing people with it. Anybody here ever had somebody use Scripture against you? Or use Scripture in a way that's hurtful? Don't do it, guys. I'm telling you. You do not handle the sword of the Spirit that way. You do not handle God's Word in a way that you cut people or you beat them with the flat of the blade. I've had people do it. It's not godly. But you speak the truth in love. It's true. I love you. But here's the truth. Why do we speak the truth in love? Well, it's right there in Scripture. So that we all grow up. Anybody here ever had to tell one of your children something they didn't want to hear? I tell you what, I got a call once from my daughter. Once she had left home, left school, was on her second full-time job in her second city. I mean, she was 25 years old before I got this call. But she told me one time, and I was just like, you waited 25 years to say this. She said, I'm just so glad that you and Mama forced me to become self-reliant, to become a person that took care of my own bills, took care of my own stuff. Because you really did help get me to a place where I can live on my own. And I don't have to be... I don't, this is before she was married. She said, I'm marrying Corey because I want to, not because I need a man. And I just want to tell you thanks. And I was like, it took you 25 years to say that? But guys, it happens by telling kids things they don't want to hear in love so they grow up. We speak the truth to each other in love so that we all grow up in love, but grow up. So here, what happens if you're dealing with somebody who is just raging in anger? They, they just keep coming at you in anger. Try this. It may or may not work. Don't say this in anger. Don't say it as a nah. Uh-uh, just in love. You may not continue to yell at me. If you choose to, I will leave this room and end this conversation. I'm not saying you're a bad person for yelling. I'm not even saying you need to stop yelling. I'm just telling you, if you keep yelling, I won't be here for it. This is, again, I can't control you, but you know what I can do? I can control me. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to control me. I told a boss one time, right after... He cussed me. I know, it was, it was crazy. It was actually in a church, by the way. Not in the ministry anymore. He was going through a really hard time. And it's not, I'm not saying this to, to throw shadow on the guy. You'll never know who I'm talking about. But he did. He was so angry. He, he threw a ballpoint pen at me and cussed me. And I'm, gosh, I'm like 25 at the time. I'm young. But I looked at him and I said, you do have the power to fire me. You have the power to, to take my job. But watch right here. I've made a decision. I'm not going to be cussed ever again. 
So if you choose to, I won't be here for it. And I stood up and walked out of his office. I said, I'm just, how many of y'all know life's too short? I'm not, you don't need that job bad enough. You don't need it. Guys, you don't need it. God will take care of you. But I'm just telling you, I, now that was 25. I'm 61 now. I don't get cussed. Like, a lot of things happen. A lot of things I'll take. A lot of things I'll deal with. But you ain't cussing me. Mm-mm. And hear me say, I don't throw punches. I just go. Won't be there for it. Maybe you're dealing with somebody who always pressures you, who puts pressure on you and wants you to do, wants you to make a decision. Come on. You gotta, Rebecca and I did this one with our daughter. I have a policy of not making snap decisions. I need time to think and reflect on what I really want to do. So if you've got to have an answer right now, then my answer is going to be no. We just taught our daughter that. If you're going to push me, and, and again, I'm not saying anything about you. I'm telling you, this is the line I've drawn around me. Because I'm not going to make a snap decision without getting some time to pray about it. And if you think, oh, well, you don't need to pray about this. You just need to do this. Fine. When it's your decision, make a decision that way. I don't. I've also taught my daughter, don't ask me in front of somebody. You do not come running up with another kid and their parent and say, can April come have lunch with us and spend the night? I've just told my daughter, that's always going to be a hard no. Because if something is up, and I don't, I don't want to hurt April or her mama. But baby, don't put me in that position. Don't. And again, it's about me. It's about me. It's not about you. It's about me. If you've got to have a hard answer this moment, okay, you can have an answer if that's what you're pushing me for. It's just going to be no. And, well, let me get into the next one, and I'll tell you that, that, that you don't have to justify. What do you do with somebody that's trying to control you? What do you do with somebody that's always pushing you for more? Wants you to do it. Wants you to give something. Wants you to... De- Look, how about this? My pastor taught me, you always start no with I would love to help. Because it's the truth. I would love to be able to help you out. And although it really is important to me, I'm going to have to say no this time. Right now. I'm going to have to just say no. Guys, no is a great response for Christian people. Amen? No is a very valid response. And hear me say this. Just because you say no, you are not required to justify your no. You don't owe people an explanation for your no if it's no. And let's take this one more step. If someone refuses to take your no, it says something about whether they respect you or not. Because if, if I respect you, I will let your no be no. In fact, the Bible itself says, let your no be no and your yes be yes. And no is a fine response if no is what it needs to be. I'm in the ministry. I love the ministry. And I have no sob stories about the ministry. It's not like, oh, it's a hard life. Get out then. Do something you want to do. I hate hearing people complain about the ministry. But about three weeks ago, I had somebody ask me, Pastor, 
I, I really I want to talk to you. I want to get with you. And, I, and can, you do, can you do tonight? And I said, I would love to. I'd really love to. And you know I value you, and I, I'm, I'm going to make time. I, I can't do tonight, though. I've got plans. Um, can you do tomorrow? Can you do the next day? Let's talk about it. And let's see. Now, between you and me, you know what my plan was? It was the first night in two solid weeks that I sat in our living room with my wife and my dog and did nothing. Nothing. We didn't even watch TV. We got something to eat, and it was what I call scrounging dinner. You know what I'm talking about, scrounging dinner? It's the, it's the rice from one meal and the meat from another meal and a little bit of leftover vegetable that came from some other meal. It was scrounge dinner. And we didn't watch TV. You know what my plan was? To do nothing. But I didn't owe them that explanation. I had plans. I would love to help you. I did help you. I just can't do it tonight. Guys, nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. And you're not being unchristian by doing it. What about somebody that keeps asking you for money? I'm not talking about generosity. I'm talking about you financing somebody's bad decisions or somebody's laziness. Well, look what it says. This is my suggestion for you. I'm not going to lend you or give you any more money. I honestly do care about you. But you need to take responsibility for yourself. God is well able to open the windows of heaven and God could have ravens bring them coins if He wanted to. Amen? If God chooses not to just hand people money, and money ain't an issue with God. It's not like He has any lack. If God is not choosing to quote-unquote give them money, then you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying don't give people money. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. But you better be led by the Holy Spirit, not by emotion or need. Because there's always, Jesus is the one who said, the poor you will have with you always. Jesus was not need-led. He was not emotional-led. He was Holy Spirit-led. There's the truth about this. And while we're on the subject of money, you can't get around this bit of Scripture. Can anybody in the house say amen? If you ain't willing to work, you ought not eat. Don't pull up a plate. I, I know I've had people tell me, Rebecca and I were child abusers when it came to the way we parented our daughter. But at 18, I sat her down with a piece of paper that was a contract. I know y'all are sitting there going, you are the worst dad in the world. 18 years old, we sat down at my table and I explained to her, if you're in school and you're making good grades, you can live here and eat here as long as you're in school, up to five years. I was on a five-year plan. I give you five years for a degree. If you're making good grades, you can live here during the summer, and I will feed you. But if you choose not to go to school, then here's how much rent's going to be. Here's how much, and, if you choose, and if you think this is a hardship, fine, baby, find a place to live. They're going to charge rent out there too. And, and then I told her, Everybody that lives in this house works a job. I know I'm a terrible father, aren't I? Just horrible. But guys, the Bible itself says, if anybody not willing to work, don't, don't bother getting a plate. Don't sit down at this table if you ain't willing to work. I just, 
Guys, the point of all this is we have got to be Holy Spirit driven. Holy Spirit led. And it is not love when you take somebody's backpack and say, I'll carry that for you. That's not love. Love is when you get up under somebody's boulder. But backpacks, you got yours and I got mine. And that's the way God designed it. And you'll harm me if you don't let me carry my own. Would you stand up with us and let's, just for a second, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This is very much a relational message. I know this is not a, a big shout and amen, hallelujah, feel the goosebump message. But guys, if we will take the word of God to heart, we will love each other well. We will love each other and see each other grow up into Him who is the head, Jesus Christ. I just got one question for you right now. Is there anybody in here, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, guys, this ain't nobody's business, but I just want us to pray. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, I need some help in my relationships and me grabbing a hold of me. And would you pray for me this morning? Anybody at all? Yeah, guys, believe me when I say hands up all over the place. Anybody else want to get into this? Because all we're going to do is pray. I'm not going to call you down this morning. Come on, guys, let's pray. Father, help us to love each other well. Help us to love each other like Jesus loves us. God, you are the one that, Lord, you got the ability to just give, 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 give. And yet there are times that you let us walk through things because you love us enough to grow us. Help us, God, to be sensitive to you. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit. And Father, help us to be quick to obey when you say give. When you say do that, take that. Help. Help us to be quick to obey. But God, help us to be measured and help us to not be need or emotion driven in Jesus name and all God's people agreed and said amen. amen this Wednesday just to let you know we will be dealing with one specific passage and looking at how Jesus himself dealt with tough difficult folks it's gonna be really fascinating I encourage you to be here for this Wednesday Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.